This podcast is brought to you by the L3 Advisors Group. The L3 Advisors Group supports leaders as they are creating their own legacy. Services include coaching, facilitation services for organizational planning, and advisory services. To learn more about the L3 Advisors Group, go to l3advisors.org slash learn. Welcome to all. Today's episode features Dr. Cynthia Barjanere discussing her transformational leadership path. From her very first role as an ICU night shift nurse in a small community hospital, to the Chief Operating Officer of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, Cynthia's authenticity and passion for taking care of those who take care of our patients resonates throughout her story. I am Kathy Forquette, one of the founding partners of L3, and I've had the very privilege to know Cynthia and experience her contagious energy. If you have not asked yourself, where do I see myself in the next 10 years? This podcast will inspire you to consider next steps. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Leaders Leaving Legacies, the nursing series. This is a podcast that focuses on telling the story of leaders in healthcare who are truly making a difference. I'm your host, Deb McElroy. I am happy and honored today to welcome Cynthia Barjanere. And with that, Cynthia, it is good to have you. Welcome. We've done some work together and we've had a chance to to chat a bit. And you've talked about growing up in a rural area, a really small town. And as we talked about your story, you said you never initially thought of yourself as as what you then termed like manager material. And you didn't have a lot of encouragement uh, along that professional progress. But your career path did move forward. And so can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? I guess growing up in a very small community, I hadn't had an opportunity to be in a leadership role outside of school activities and things of that nature. And so, you know, growing up in the South, my very first job was in a critical care unit as an ICU nurse. And so Myself and two other of my colleagues were on the night shift together, and both of them had been asked to be in charge, uh, to do charge, take charge responsibilities during the shift. I had never been asked to take uh, a leadership role. So it never occurred to me that I should take on a leadership role or that I had those leadership skills. So when I moved to Detroit, I think 1985, my first experience in the critical care unit with leaders was the first time people had said to me, oh, it looks like you might have some leadership skills and you might be uh, ready to take on charge responsibilities. And so I saw people who looked like me. I worked with people who were encouraging. I had an amazing chief nurse executive who had started as, who was a black woman who had started as a 
nursing assistant, moved into the LPN position, then got her RN, and ultimately became the chief nurse of that organization. And she showed me what leadership could look like, what she encouraged me. And that was where I took on my first leadership role, first as a charge nurse, and then moved into a nurse manager position. And I think, you know, what it says to me and how it has impacted my own career is to tell people what you see in them. And so what that has done for me is give me a passion for mentorship and encouragement and support of emerging leaders. That's great, Cynthia. Thank you. So you're talking about some unexpected right turns along the way and people who have helped you do that. Were there roles that you took that surprised you that just never thought that would happen? The first role that I feel was the biggest, well, everything outside of being a bedside nurse was a surprise to me because I did not have a context for what I could do. You know, people ask me how I became a nurse. And, you know, a lot of people have stories that where they say they took care of a family member, they had someone in their family who had been ill, or they took care of their pets. I became a nurse because my father told me to become a nurse. He was an orderly in um, a hospital in Montgomery, Alabama. He worked in the ER and he worked in the OR. And he had a sixth grade education, but he loved taking care of people. He took care of people in our community. He He worked in this organization and he wanted me to be a nurse because it was something that he never could have dreamed of doing himself. And so when you ask me about jobs that surprised me, every single job that I have ever had surprised me. The one thing that surprised me the most was moving into the role of case manager. Because when you think about when I did understand what the trajectory was for leadership in nursing, I saw that as you work as a bedside nurse, you become a charge nurse. You work as a manager, unit manager, you move into a director role, and then you would be ready for the chief nurse role. And so I took a step off that path to become a case manager, which took me away from line leadership and put me more in a staff leadership role. But what I learned as a case manager was much broad, a much broader view of hospitals and how hospitals operate. So from In my mind, being a case manager is like taking a microscope to all of the systems and processes within your organization, because you understand how everything comes together around the patient. And then you also understand, begin to understand the business side of healthcare. You have to understand how you're reimbursed and what those payers expect from you from a clinical perspective and from an and from a financial perspective and then i also had an opportunity to understand the continuum of care so what happens before your patients come to you and what happens after they are they leave the hospital what are the services that are available to them how do you structure those services to meet their needs post the acute care setting and so that was the job that was the biggest surprise to me, and I think has had the biggest impact on how I lead 
So that's interesting. And that is a passion of mine as well, case management. So you're singing my song because I have to say my view has often been from the patient family side and and how it obviously impacts that as well. And it sounds like it helped informed some of the other positions you've had, not chief only chief nursing officer, but I suspect you've ha- held a number of roles, including what you're doing today as a COO, correct? Yes. And the other piece that case management brought to my consciousness was improvement and process improvement and quality and safety. When I say put a microscope to the organization as a case manager, my job was to come in every day and put my finger in the dike. There's a problem. I know there's a problem with our systems. And my job is to make sure that our patients don't suffer for those systemic problems. But not just to come in every single day and put my finger in the dike and and, and stop that leak, but to look at the data, to understand how our systems perform, and to bring people together to improve those systems and processes for all patients. So I always said my job as a case manager is to work myself out of a job, to continuously improve the system and processes until there is no friction in the system when the patients come in and they get everything they need without my intervention. And so it introduced me to improvement science in a way that I don't think I would have had an opportunity to have that same kind of introduction as a staff nurse. Everybody gets up, comes in, most people get up and come in to do the work in hospitals and health systems because they want to do good. And our job as leaders is to build the systems to allow them to do the good work that they that they come to this work to do. So how do you think you've been able to translate what you've been doing to that idea that you're not just talking about one health system, right? You're talking about lots of health systems and really healthcare settings aside from what we know is a t- traditional healthcare system here. Well, you know, one of the things that over the years I have had to reconcile for myself is that I have to go from being the doer to the coordinator and the supporter uh, of those who are doing. So I used to say when I was a chief nurse, I was the nurse of the nurse, (laughs) no longer the nurse of the patient, but now I'm the nurse of the nurse. And I feel the same way about this role at IHI. I am the supporter and the facilitator of the systems and processes and people needed to make an impact on hospitals and health systems and municipalities and the care, health and health care systems across the world, actually. And so I work with a group of brilliant improvers every single day. So I can't help them to learn to improve. What I do is to support them in the work that they need to do and that they are good at and that they know needs to be done. And so my job is to make sure they have what they need in order to do the great, brilliant work that they are all qualified and prepared to do. We are doing, we're making a difference in people's lives. And if I give them what they need in order to do that, they can do that with joy and love, which are, you know, love is a value at IHI. So I love that taking care of those who are taking care of 
no matter where you are, these are very challenging times in healthcare. What are you saying to people who come to you and say, oh, you know, not sure I can handle this. This is really tough. Well, you know, it is a it is a good question. I had the I have not been sitting in the chief nurse or the chief operating officer table through much of the pandemic. So for a good while, I had a little bit of survival remorse. And so I was reluctant to try to give people advice because I didn't live through it. So who are you to tell us what we should be doing or how we should be thinking? And so I'm very cognizant of that as I as I start to dole out my advice, because I know that people are, the pandemic didn't create a lot of the issues that we have in healthcare, but they cert, it certainly exacerbated and put a spotlight on some of the challenges that we've been trying to address for many years. We have been talking about how to address many of these issues for many years, but we've been making short-term improvements and short. we've been implementing short-term solutions. So how do we take a step back and make generational decisions? One example is there are a, a lot of people who are now looking at bringing LPNs into the acute care setting as a way of extending the, the RN functions and abilities. And our LPN qual colleagues are perfectly capable of doing that work. They did that work in the past when we had team nursing. But if we're making generational decisions, we're thinking about where are we pulling these, these team members from? We're pulling them from nursing homes where our most fragile patients are cared for. And so what does that do to the nursing home industry? How do we make the kinds of generational decisions that are going to bring the right the people people into the profession? We've been nibbling around the edges, I think, and it is time for us to do the transformational work. Well, I like the phrase, and you're right. We've all got a stake in this game, some more immediately than others, but <laughs> uh, speaking as one of those, but um, definitely a stake in the game. So when you think about people that are helping to make these generational decisions, the people who have along the way supported your worldview, how have you, you know, sometimes we have accidental mem mentors, sometimes we have chosen mentors, sometimes we, you know, have professional coaches. So how does that all work together to try to be that leader in today's environment where the challenge, where the scope of the challenge is large. The mentors that I've had in my career are amazing. I don't, I don't even know how it happened. You know, favor of some kind from the universe <laughs> has shown on me over the years. But I will say that sometimes it has been that I've been very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to meet someone who would make that kind of difference in my life, like a Mary Nash, who is like the nurse leader's nurse leader, who happened to be my boss. But then having worked in doing my Robert Wood Johnson Executive Nurse Fellow, the number of mentors that I was able to be have access to in that program, which was much more like Marilyn Chow, which 
I would never have been able to work with a Maryland Chow if I had just stayed in my own organization and worked within my own, you know, sphere. So broadening your horizon, I think is important. I applied for the Rob Wood Johnson Executive Nurse Fellows Program and the J&J program at the same time at Mary Nash's uh, urging and ended up getting both of them. And what a transformational opportunity that was. I think there's room for both there, you know, look for the people in your orbit that can help you and can be a mentor for you that you admire their leadership, but also looking outside your everyday orbit and looking for other others who might be able to bring a completely different perspective. When you think about the work you've done to date, if you could reflect on what you think your legacy might be down the road or what you're hoping is the underlying purpose of some of the work that you've done, what would that be? I'm hopeful my legacy is the number of leaders that I have had influence on in this industry. There are many leaders today that I have worked with in the past that I'm so incredibly proud of, particularly nursing leaders, but not only nursing leaders. We have a group of us, there's four or five of us that have started a not-for-profit that is called Paula J. Brown Village Mentoring Program that we started at Rush that brings Black mid-careers together in a village mentoring model. We're not trying to mentor each person one-on-one, although we do have one-on-one relationships with some of the members of the group, but we bring them together for a shared experience. And many of them have been promoted over these last four years. I mean, there's just, I'm so proud of all of them. And we meet with them on a monthly basis. It's been a lot more difficult during COVID than it was pre-COVID. And we see ourselves as having this opportunity to give back. And we all see ourselves in them and that we didn't have some, we didn't all have someone. I mean, if I hadn't met Iris Taylor, I don't know where I would be. I think that my, what I'd love to see as my legacy is that someone thinks back and says, man, what if I hadn't met Cynthia? Where would I be? Yeah, that's great. So you were recognized, I think in 2015, as the Chicago United Business Leader of Color. And thinking about what you just talked about, you, you know, you're actively contributing, you're creating this village. So for those who are listening, who want to find that mentoring, anything that you would suggest or advise to help them move to that next level, or at least find the fulfillment and the roles that they're doing? You know, that is such a good question. But there are organizations that the National Association of Healthcare Executives, I think is what it is, but it is focused on leadership for people of color. And I think that's a great place to start. But I would say, you know, when you know, don't be intimidated about the idea of reaching out to someone in link, on LinkedIn 
or connecting with people and asking them if they would be willing to be a a mentor. I am also a mentor with the American Hospital Association Fellowship Program. And so look for these fellowship programs as well that would give you an opportunity to have access. You never know, you might connect and end up with a a coach for life, like I did with uh, Tom Gordon. So I think looking for those opportunities, don't wait for them to come to you. Message me on LinkedIn because I am, you know, I am always excited about the idea of helping and mentoring. Well, that's a great offer. And I'm sure people will take you up on it, but also great advice. Is there anything today that you're looking out that's giving you hope? One thing that I'm hopeful about is that we have a nursing workforce who is tired and in some many ways demoralized by you know how they have felt they have been treated during the pandemic. But we also have a nursing workforce who is committed to care and caring. And that warms my heart. No one said it was going to be easy, but the care and caring of our population goes on and we are caring for each other. I believe that the nurses who are delivering care actually care about the patient, our patient populations, and they want to deliver the very best care that they can. And that comes from their heart. That is what I call the demonstration of love, because I always say love is a verb. And if you really, what our patients need and expect, and actually is a part of the healing process, is to receive that not only the technical skills that nurses have, but the love that we have for our patients and their families. And I I can still see that in the people who are delivering care, as well as the, the leaders who are leading those, those team members. And so that, that encourages me. I don't think people are just here you know, for a paycheck. I see a lot of leaders doing really important work to make those transformational changes that are going to be generational. I've seen that from the chief nurse at Trinity, who is doing some amazing things on care transformation. Chief nurse at Tufts Medicine is doing some amazing things on care transformation. I just think, you know, it's encouraging because we are getting an opportunity to do some of the things that we hadn't had an opportunity to do in the past. I'm also encouraged that we seem to have some fire in our belly around health disparities. I know that IHI has just launched their nationwide initiative around health equity, and we were looking for a certain number of organizations that would want to participate. And we've had to increase that number because there are more, there's more demand than we had even expected. So I think that organizations see these disparities and want to do the work to change and uh, to implement systematic change. And that's also encouraging to me. Encouraging for us all, I think, and such important work right now. What I want to do is take it to a little bit lighter note for a moment and do what we're calling rapid fire, bring it home questions so that when people 
message you on LinkedIn. They feel like they know who you are. Okay, Cynthia, finish this line. You have five minutes with a brand new nurse, just got their license. What what do you say to them? Well, I have two things. One, I would want to ask them what they're, how do they see themselves or where do they see themselves in 10 years? And I would ask that question because no one asked me that question and I had no idea what that could look like for me. And I would have loved for someone to have opened my eyes to what the possibilities were over 10 years. But the other thing that I would say to a new nurse is whatever happens, hold on to your humanity and your empathy. No matter how hard this gets, take care of yourself so that you can always bring your full self to this work. When I was a new grad, people told me that you had to separate your empathy and your emotion from the work in order for you to be able to continue to do it. And it was such bad advice. It was such bad advice because you can't do this work if you can't be human and bring your authentic self to the work. And I don't want people working hard to not bring that. I want you working hard to maintain it. And there are things that we can do to continue to feed our, ourselves and feed our souls so that we can keep coming back. The hospice nurses are the best example of that. They are some of my favorite nurses because they hold on to that better than most of us. Well, I think that's advice and wisdom. One last question. What is an insult that you received as a leader that you actually thought was a compliment? <laughs> so I... Can I turn that around where people say it's a compliment, but I think it actually is meant as an insult? Sure. So one thing that people will say to me is, well, Cynthia, you're so nice. And I think that they believe that they're saying it as a compliment, but I think that they actually are thinking about it as an insult <laughs> because, and my answer is yes. And my mother would be very happy that you think that I'm nice because that's what she taught me to be. But I, I would submit that it doesn't mean that you're weak because you're nice. And I think that what people are saying when they say that to me is that they believe that I may have, I may not be able to hold people accountable. I may not be as strong as I need to be to, in order to do the tough work. But I will say that Feedback is critical that you give to people, but feedback without kindness is just mean. And I don't want ever anybody to say that I am mean. So the more people that tell me, Cynthia, you're nice, I'm just going to take that as a compliment and continue to be my authentic self because I know that I bring the strength that is needed to get the job done but I hope that I always do it in a way that makes people feel encouraged, that makes people feel loved and makes people feel that they are doing their very best. Thank you for that. You know, as we wrap up today, just a number of things that you've talked about, the strength that you're talking about, the humanity, I think really resonates with our viewers. But if you're sitting looking right across the table at another 
uh, leader right now who maybe is in those roles, that chief nursing officer, COO, or or nurse manager. I, I don't want to, it doesn't have to be a specific title. Is there any last comment or words of advice that you would want to say? Okay, here you are today. Well, I would say don't forget how important these roles are to the people that we serve whether it's the staff that we are accountable for supporting or the patients and families that we're accountable for providing health and health care. Don't forget how important the role is. It's not an easy job, but it's an important job. It's actually a critical job. And so you got to make sure that you continue to take care of yourself so that you can continue to come and do this because we need you to continue to come to the table and continue to bring your best self to do this work. And so take care of yourself so that you can continue to take care of others. Well, thank you for that. And I actually, those words, I believe, can apply to anybody in healthcare today, no matter what role they're serving. So Cynthia, thank you for that. And thanks for being with us today and sharing your story and your perspective and your insights. Thank you for the offer to to be open to chatting with our listeners. And for our listeners, thank you for being with us today. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Any thoughts or feedback is always welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to Leaders Leaving Legacies so that you can be notified of new episodes And stay tuned for our next episode as we continue our series. And with that, Cynthia, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's a wrap for today's episode of Leaders Leaving Legacies, the nursing series. We've been honored to have Cynthia Barjanera as our guest today. Cynthia, I have truly appreciated you sharing your perspective on how you began your career with some perceived limits and boundaries and then moved throughout your outstanding career and contributions to understanding the impact that you could have on healthcare and on the profession of nursing. I know along the way you talked about mentors and role models that provided support and inspiration. And I know for those who are listening, this podcast may do the same. So thank you. If you're listening and enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating and a review. That is helpful. And don't forget to go to LinkedIn. You can like us there and visit our website, l3advisors.org learn to stay up to date on the latest episodes and to see what's coming. Join us next time as this series continues to explore the topic of leaders leaving legacies as we interview national nursing leaders who have really influenced our profession. Until then, stay inspired and walk through those doors that are being open to develop your own meaningful legacy.